Welcome back to the Salon Owners Holistic Blueprint Podcast. I'm your hostess, Jacqueline Rodriguez. And today we are going to be on, um, we're going to be talking about prices that are raising in the salon and maybe some things that we can do about it. I got Kate from Dip and Lindsay from Plain Products, and they are going to be on and we're just going to have a great conversation about what is some of the issues coming up on raising prices and maybe some of the solutions that we can figure out. Welcome to the Salon Owners Holistic Blueprint, your podcast for unlocking the secrets to a thriving salon business through holistic practices. I'm Jacqueline Rodriguez, your host, and join me each week as we explore wellness, sustainability, and business success. Everything from attracting conscious clients to adopting eco-friendly practices. We're going to cover it all to elevate your salon business. So welcome, and thank you all for being on here today with me. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you. Yes. So what... What have you guys seen? Like what kind of price things have you been dealing with? Because both of you have a product line. So that's a little different than the salon, like being in the salon, but it directly affects the salon prices. So that's a a, a tough battle, I can imagine. Yeah, I think what you're seeing um, in raw materials and and what's happening behind the scene in manufacturing is congruent to what you're seeing in grocery shopping. So just to show everyone, everyone, when you go to buy food, everything is maybe 30 to 40% in some cases more expensive than it used to be. And what I've experienced since we launched, we've only launched two years ago. And in that two years, um, the raw material costs have increased between 30 and 40% from some of our vendors. And so as a company, we've decided to keep our prices the same and absorb that cost. And that's something that our consumers don't really no, um, because it's not something we should. We, I'm not trying to like throw the guilt on them, like, oh, we're absorbing the cost, so you can have like, because it's it's. I don't think they care, you know. Um, it's a, their groceries are at the forefront of their minds, like not how their shampoo and conditioner is, like the the costs are going up, but like the um, that's something that just as business owners, uh, we've had to deal with, and you have to make that decision. Like I see brands a- across the the spectrum of consumer goods either making announcements that they have to raise prices, even if it's just a small bit or behind the scenes, they're cutting, they're cutting fat, right. They're cutting off the things that, that no longer feel that they are worth like, or or just not um, generating revenue. Yeah. And that's an important part. Yeah. I mean, I think everybody's seeing it for us. We've tried to make up the difference in a little bit more volume. So trying to, buy bigger amounts of things, which creates fun cash flow issues. Um, but using that to offset some of the the increase in costs. But I agree with Kate. I mean, for the most part, we just kind of decided to eat it too. I think, you know, and I'd be curious what salon owners think about this, but when you're kind of selling a, a higher price point, you know, and people are stressed about inflation, you don't want to go even higher. You know, you, you don't want to be seen as a luxury and, and too far. So I think a lot of us just felt like we had to just just slim down those margins and make it up where we could instead of going going higher, reflecting the higher costs that we have. Yeah, no, that's um, it's such an interesting point, because I feel like as a salon owner, I've kind of done the same thing where we're eating some of the cost and also 
we have really honed in on value because we have services. There's like a whole thing um, with how we can start to add more value. And we're raising our prices with that in mind, not because the prices are raising for everything else, but we're adding more value and we are kind of putting together a whole experience that is a little different from everybody else. And that's what I teach my students in the academy is really focusing in on an experience so that that way it's not so based on, obviously when our prices go up, like we either absorb it or we do, you know, get real serious. And I think it depends with us where we're at in our journey. Like, are we fully booked out? Then a price increases, it's okay. But if we're not fully booked out, then that's where you start to toe that line of, are we going to push people over the edge if we do that? So I we focus more on experience. And even when the products do go up, how do we up that experience if we want to up our prices? Have you noticed that um, people are like opting for different services with the change in the economy? Like less blondes, more shadow roots, like what's going on on the stylist side? So shadow roots has been a thing for a while. So that has really helped with um, everybody's pocket for, well, I guess the consumer's (laughs) pockets. But then that's where like, we have always seen like, like over the last few years that everything's lived in because that really also went very far during COVID. So we already had that shift coming and people have just stayed with it. Like we had a lot of people stopping color altogether and going natural and going gray. So that was a different, you know, we had to pivot at that point for that. Then we also had to pivot for people going longer in between because they got used to not coming in every, you know, four to six weeks. So we personally in the salon have been pivoting because of that, but also we focus more on wellness. So we have an array of services that is not just based on color and a cut. Like we have Reiki and crystal bowl healing and um, scalp treatments. And we do an array of different things for wellness that does bring people back in. And that experience for us has been different. And I, I think that's important. I mean, I saw some meme or something a long time ago that was like, instead of asking why organic vegetables and are, are so expensive, maybe we should be asking why other things are so cheap. And I think <laughs> the whole education around the importance of like good ingredients not just a bunch of chemicals and water in a bottle. Like this is, you know, yes, this bottle of Suave is $3.95, but what are you putting on your body? What is it doing to your hair? You know, all of that versus, you know, really good, natural, like dense that are going to last for a long time, you know, that doesn't just fall out of your hand when you use it. You know, that difference in that education, I think is a huge part too of, what you're saying is, you know, making that sale and showing that the value is there, even though it might be more expensive, it lasts a little bit longer, it's better for you in the long run, you know, all of those things. And that's a huge part. Like we educate every single one of our clients why it is important to have a higher end shampoo, conditioner, styling product. While yes, you can go get Suave or Pantene or whatever those are, um, two, three, $5 a bottle, they're making a huge profit. 
So what's actually in the bottle, right? And mm-hmm. how are you going to come in and spend hundreds of dollars getting your hair done and then go use something that's literally going to wash that out down the drain, right? So it is a lot about education and learning how to talk to your clients because we're never... I got away from like being salesy behind the chair. Like that was a thing in the industry for a very long time. And it was just like, here, buy my products, buy my products. I got away from that and it's educational. And this is why we use this. We pick it for a very specific reason. The ingredients that we use last you so much longer. So instead of going through a bottle of Suave, I keep pulling that one out, but uh, (laughs) going through a bottle of Suave, And it's like gone in a month. Yeah, it was only $6. But when you have a product that lasts you three months, four months, six months, or dip a year, (laughs) you know, that's a big difference. So you spend a little bit more on the front end, but you're gaining so much more on the other end. Yeah. One of the things that I kind of got made fun of by my uh, beauty colleagues um, was that my bars do last a long time. Like the conditioner, especially lasts most people, depending on hair type around a year. Um, and you know, they kind of scoffed at this idea that this bar would last so long. And now it's actually one of our biggest assets is that this conditioner bar will last a year. And for some people, they don't like the idea. They don't like having the idea like of a, of a bar sitting exposed in their shower for a long time, even though every wash it's, you know, it keeps its integrity. Um, but but now, just as people are trying to decide between between buying something like Orbe once a month or buying like a, a dip bar that lasts them, you know, 12, it's it's a huge money saver for them. And it allows them to come back into the salon to spend money on the treatments that are actually way more fun to spend money on um, right. than the plastic, right. <laughs> plastic bottled stuff. Well, and I feel like, you know, it's sort of against, again, mainstream sort of capitalist. Like, I mean, I think I'll you know, the traditional model is like, how can we figure out how to make people buy things as often as possible? You know, Mm -hmm. how do we make the battery in the iPhone die within two years? So everybody has to get another one. So for, you know, brands to be saying like, we want this to last a long time. Don't use a lot, you know, put a pumping on it instead of turning it upside down and squeezing it, like Mm -hmm. stepping away from all of those things is, you know, something that I think sustainable, thoughtful companies do. Yeah. It's something I love about your company so much because I I don't think you guys are pushing all this crazy consumerist stuff and you're making them mindful of, of sending their bottles back and getting them refilled, which is something that takes like a little bit of extra care, but it is so important to making people realize what they're actually buying. So what plain does is show people that you're, what you're buying is on the inside. So don't worry about what's around it. You know, and you could, it has, that has value. Like, like let's step Mm -hmm. away from a culture of buying something and then just like throwing it away and buying the next thing of totally there is no, I mean, I think that's like, there is no away. Like things don't (laughs) magically disappear when we throw them away. They go, they go somewhere and you know, (laughs) somewhere is a good, like, and they're only recyclable if you recycle them. This episode is brought to you by the green beauty community a vibrant, exclusive platform dedicated to connecting individuals and brands who share a passion for sustainable beauty. They strive to inspire, educate, and empower each member to make informed choices 
that celebrate beauty while respecting our planet. Become a green beauty advocate by joining the community today. Help us transform the beauty industry. Get access to sustainable education, connect with sustainable brands, and learn more about eco-friendly practices. Click the link in the show notes to get your exclusive discount code today. Yeah. (laughs) But this is such a sorry go ahead no I was just gonna say and you know we can get in a whole other like how much plastic actually gets recycled Mm -hmm. that much yeah that is a whole nother episode that's a whole nother episode we'll get we'll get there but yeah (laughs) go ahead sorry but it's such an important piece because I got the same thing from my colleagues and in the industry we're very much like overusing stylists typically say, okay, you need 10 different products. You need a shampoo and a conditioner, and then you need this, and then you need, you know, five different styling products. I'm minimalized. I I don't push that on our clients. Um, I don't personally use it. I mean, I've been a stylist for years and years, and I use very minimal products, including my makeup. I do very minimal. That doesn't mean that if you use more, like that's bad. It's just as leaders, right? Because they do look up to us and they look up and we look up to brands. Like what are we being taught every single day? And I think just by being in the sustainable and clean world, we're already breaking these norms, right? Mm -hmm. And then being able to push the envelope a little bit more of like saying, okay, we don't have to be such a disposable, wasteful um, industry. How do we start bringing that back? That's huge. And that is how my salon saves money too. So if we're talking about like prices are raising and everything, okay, what do we get to like cut back on? Where, yes, we can sell more products, but that's not going to do us any good. It's really not. So Mm -hmm. where do we get to talk to our clients about educating them on? Maybe it is for them right now. They can't afford one product. Okay. So what other options do we have that won't be filled with junk And that would last you a year, right? So giving options to our clients and then they continue to come back because they don't feel sold to, they don't feel like we're just trying to make a buck. They really feel like we care, which we do in my salon. Yeah. I also think it's cool. Oh, go ahead. (laughs) No, I was just going to say, I mean, you know, there's a difference too between some, some very specialized products for certain situations and like here, Mm -hmm. this product will work you know, for most people, most of the time and all of these ways and that education piece. And like mm-hmm. you're saying, like the not oversell of like, oh, we'll start with this and then this and on Tuesdays do this. And, you know, <laughs> like, I think that's a huge piece too of trying to save money. If you're not buying eight different products, you know, that, that some will end up on the back of the shelf that you forget about and, and never to be used again, mm-hmm. then you can afford the better products if there are three or four that are great. Yeah. What's your least used product? What's your under the sink products that you never bring out? Uh, of anything. I mean, I'm terrible about styling products, to be honest. Just, I, <laughs> I try, and, but this hair just... Mm. So, I mean, I have like a bunch of different styling stuff that I've tried at different times <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I didn't like, put that to that. Maybe I'll come back around and try it again. Um yeah, mine, mine's mousse. I have a few different mousses and I never use it. And I 
I've, I've continued to buy them. Not, I mean, not anymore, but like for a long time, considering that I already had one, it was like one of those things where I just would buy, I was like, maybe I'll try this other mousse. And, and it's something that I just have like abandoned my whole, my whole, you know, hopes and dreams of what a mousse could do for me. <laughs> That's right, your big hair look. I right. want big hair. We were just talking about big hair. <laughs> always. I've always loved it. It's always been one of those things I've just coveted. I can't, I can't have it though. Uh, you just need a stylist to come and do it for you every morning and then you're <laughs> fine. <laughs> uh, Maybe I, one day. That's my dream. Right. Yeah. We'll just make tons of money so that we can. <laughs> You'll have a stylist. <laughs> I'll have somebody cook for me. That's what I want. <laughs> um, but I actually, it's funny because I have tons of products under my sink, but I actually do use them. My problem is because I go through and I test and use all these products to make sure that they're clean and good for my clients. I end up with like so many different ones. <laughs> and then I, I stay with my tried and trues or find new ones that I can bring on. But I think that's more my problem. Because when I have the products, like I actually do use them, but I don't have so many, because mm. I have condensed down. So there's not a bunch of stuff sitting in my shelves that I don't use unless it's like just tons of product. And then I'm just giving it away to my family too. I'm like, here, try this. Tell me what you think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I know after going to a show too, if like any trade show, you come back with like the giant bag of, of mm -hmm. things that you're like, find that later. You're like, Oh, I never tried that coffee <laughs> birch scrub. Something <laughs> that, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's um, a very wasteful, like the whole trade th show thing. I'm, I like when they give you products to sample, but all the little tchotchkes and like pens and things, I'm like, please just keep them. I, I don't want, or papers. That's a whole yeah. other story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, uh, the trade show swag definitely accumulates like crazy, especially if you're there at the end of the trade show and people are just, you, you can't help but have stuff thrown at you because people oh, yeah. don't want to ship it back. Yeah, <laughs> like, please just, take it off my hands. <laughs> take it, don't have to stuff it in my car or a box. Um, Lindsay, what has been the biggest, the biggest thing that's caused you to raise? Like, what's the um item that's been the biggest thing for? I mean, we struggle with shipping. Prices. Shipping, yeah, really me too. Shipping, it's so expensive, and Amazon has just really ruined the world for what shipping actually costs mm -hmm. because they have such a huge monopoly and so much volume that, you know, they don't, they don't care what it costs them to ship things. So, I mean, that's something yeah. that we go with for salons as well. I mean, you know, we just were talking to somebody this morning and they're like, it's 30 bucks to ship this three and a half gallon to California. And we're like, look, we're not inflating that. Like, right. That's, that's not the us cost. putting something on it. That's just the cost. And that's and then God forbid you have to insure it. Yeah. then you have to insure it to make sure it gets there because things are not getting where they're supposed to be. I don't know whether you're having this experience, but I'm having, um, we lose a lot of money from shipments that just seem to vanish. Uh, and even though we, we pay to insure them, um, it doesn't matter. Like, cause of the loss of product inside it's, it's a lot, you know? Yeah. We see that a lot on the retail side, you know, things mm -hmm. like, no, it never showed up. But it says it's in your mailbox. Like, right. I understand. It doesn't happen quite as much, except for New York. I mean, I think New York mm -hmm. is always just retail, wholesale. I mean, that's just always tricky because the addresses are so 
crazy and doors open and don't open and what I don't know what I don't understand I would not want to be a delivery person in New York that seems like no it's insanity no and so yeah so shipping is cost the the cost increase in shipping is is killing people and also that expectation you're right that Amazon has set for not only delivery times but also delivery costs like it's they I don't think people realize when they shop on you know say my website I don't sell on Amazon but it's if they shopped on my website versus Amazon, like Amazon will squeeze a brand into making only a few pennies or maybe a, a couple bucks off of, off of the product. And th- I don't think that that's right to do that to businesses that are growing Amazon. Do you know what I mean? Like that it, it's a parasitic relationship between brand like Amazon and the brands. Again, whole other conversation, but yes, <laughs> when you have a monopoly that is, you know, 50% of the e-commerce market and mm-hmm. giant, they can do whatever they want. I mean, we do have a store just for discovery. And yeah, I mean, it's like the money we're going to get goes up. And then about four days before they give it to us, it starts magically going back down again because they start taking out all their fees and this and that and the mm-hmm. other. <laughs> yeah. Um, And that's the hard part is the whole, I mean, because Amazon is so big, I mean, this is probably another conversation, but um, because it's so big, then brands, you really do get a lot of recognition, but then what is the cost behind all of that, right? Getting the recognition and then do they go back to Amazon and buy or do they come to your website and how do you, it's kind of the same with um, salons, like there was this whole big thing on Groupon right? Mm-hmm. Get people in because it's a deal and they could get it, whatever. And then the stylist or the salon would get next to nothing. And yeah. they wanted you to discount so far and then all of their fees and everything. And it was just would not just quality. Was that, was, did that work for you guys? Would people come back after the? Uh, no, no, yeah. because. The discount shoppers don't come back. Bingo. Yep. Bingo. That's discount shoppers, especially when it comes to like, I think, especially with services, because they're kind of, they kind of bounce around Mm -hmm. where they, like, I would never go to someone like that just because I, like, I want to know, I do my research. I do really like, I don't even shop on Groupon because I want to do my research and look further into that. So that was not a lucrative thing for us. The idea was to get people in and then get them, you know, in the, through the long term. But I would say 90% didn't come back for long term. Well, it also upsets the customers that are paying full price for the same service, I can imagine, you know? Yeah. I, I think that maybe like they, we didn't get any pushback. I only did it once like 12 years mm-hmm. ago and I, it was not it. So I didn't stay in it long-term enough to be able to see. Um, but I don't think that people really know the pricing unless you're like, out I mean, most of our clients don't know what each other are paying unless they're talking to each other. Yeah. Well, yeah. it. I think what happens is those conversations happen offsite, right? Yeah. Between neighbors, between friends. And then you find like, yeah. and that disrupts everything. Like, mm-hmm. um, for example, do you, you know the company ClassPass? They used to sell like um, spots in boutique fitness studios. And what happened, it was kind of like the Groupon, but the idea, but it was like selling like empty airplane seats in boutique uh, fitness studios. Oh, yeah. And what would happen was the people like in, in the beginning, it seemed like a good idea 
for, and it's still a great idea, but I'm, I'm not dogging on the idea, but what happened was you got pushback from people that were paying the premium prices for these fitness studios to go to these classes and then having, you know, transient people come in and out. And because usually, you know, when you have like these, these women boutique studios, you like, you know, fitness studios, you know, everyone in them, it's part of your routine. And then you, then it, it changed kind of the dynamic of what was happening in there. Um, so it's interesting to see how like that, that kind of um, flash discounting kind of messes with your core business. Um, and, you know, it's, I don't know whether you have this, Lindsay, but I have flash biz like flash sale businesses reaching out to dip all the time about like wanting to do these promotions like on our platform you could do a bogo event you know for two days or you can do you know a 50 percent off and i'm like i'm not doing it i don't i don't i don't want there seems to be a huge market of people you know like like from the today show to you know (laughs) sort of home shopping thing that are like just give us 5,000 of your best sellers for, you know, 20% and we'll, we'll sell thousands for you. And I was it's like, like I'm, I'm not discounting my work for your profit. That's what those well, it, places are asking us to do. Yeah. Well, and it just doesn't, I mean, like that far, like we're, we're basically paying you to do right. it. And, you know, for small brands, it just doesn't work. If you're a huge, you know, PNG or whatever that owns these tiny brands and can write it off in other places, that makes <laughs> sense. But for you know, little tiny brands it's like well, that's I'm giving yeah. you everything <laughs> I just go. I just don't like the idea of one person paying $32 for my conditioner bar and then someone else paying um I don't know 16 or 18 dollars for it I don't think it's fair um right. and and you know I get criticized for that a lot because we don't do sales um and if we do it's like so it's like very few and far between um but I I I cringe at this idea that you water down the quality because because as we mentioned in the beginning, the prices of everything's going up. And then if we discount, where does that leave us as brand owners? It squeezes us, it squeezes us totally into, you know, yeah. oblivion. We're, we're, we'll be done. No, well, and that's think- the only way we can stay alive is by mm-hmm. not we've got to think about that. And 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 same thing with my um students, like I teach them don't discount, like don't put sales for, you know, discounting or free this, or, you know, that you get 20% off of a haircut, add more value Mm -hmm. and have them talking about it and loving it so much that maybe they come a little less so that they can fit it in their budget, but they're coming and they are raving about it and they feel the entire experience versus just feeling like they got a deal. Cause most people, when you get a deal, you're not like, Oh my gosh, I'm going to go back because I got such a great deal. You're going back because of the experience. So yeah. being we go back just on the deal alone. It has right. to be and a good experience. You don't want your stylist getting tipped on the deal. You want them getting tipped on the whole experience. Right. Like, that's important. Like these, these, it's the same amount of work, whether they give a deal or not. And then it it kind of, you know, not for everyone. There's just some people that tip on the real, on the full price, but a lot of people don't. Yeah. Well, I think that the takeaway for me on this is like bargain shoppers don't come back. Like that's, <laughs> that's what I heard loud and clear. So I think that's a good, and, and, you know, I think also just the selling the value and the education and explaining mm-hmm. to people why it costs what it costs is yeah. so important. You know, it's yeah, not I, just like buy this, it's buy this because. Yeah. I had someone on TikTok comment recently. They were like, I wish, 
I wish uh, this was more affordable because I love it. And I'm like, I wish it was more affordable too, man. <laughs> like that's, that was my response. I wish it was more affordable. Yeah. Yeah. No, <laughs> I, I, mean, I agree. I'm like, this is what it costs. Like I, I agree with you. you know, like, you don't have the jet out back that I'm secretly funding. Like this is really what it costs to do this and, and pay everybody else who helps make it and helps package it up and helps explain it. But like, you know, yeah. and, and they, they, do, and they were like, here's what, but, and here's what it actually costs to ship it to you. Not what you're paying. Mm-hmm. You know, that has to be in there too, because nobody will pay what it actually costs to ship. So there's, there's a lot of things in well, the prices that we can't. Put the cost there. of shipping is what what consumers so ours is 850 it's generally sometimes we we gain a couple cents and sometimes we lose a couple cents on depending on where it goes so we always make people pay 850 up until 75 dollars but what what you don't see on the consumer side is that when you have a direct to consumer um purchase a lot of companies have to pay per item per pick and pack to put stuff into the box and sometimes that can add on another five, $6 just in getting the box closed with the right products in it and the tape and sent out. So when, when you think about shipping, you're not even as on the consumer side, you're not even thinking about all of the other little tiny add-on things that we're dealing with on our side. Yeah. But I think that knowing all of that and then really focusing on how we educate our clients on that, right? Because, you know, getting everything from to the consumers, or if you're getting it to salons, and we're trying to keep our doors open, um, really taking a look at what does that all cost, educating our clients, and then on top of that, realizing it's okay if people can't afford it right now. Like, it doesn't mean that you're going to go, like, having some um, compassion, right? That things are. Mm -hmm. So working with our clients to find out what is going to be best for them right now, right? Cut your expenses where you can. If you can raise the value of your services and the experience, then raise, you can raise your prices. But if that's not feasible right now, cut back where you can and work with your clients on how can they still come in for what they want, make them not feel bad about not being able to afford it, right? Mm -hmm. Really showing compassion and make a plan that works for them so that they can keep up with their hair, not feel bad about it, not have to go down to, you know, um, the cuttery or whatever. Like I'm not, I'm not naming any names. There's not, not a salon called the cuttery. I don't think at least, (laughs) but you know what I'm saying? Like having to get their stuff somewhere else. So, that they feel bad about it, right? Or and so many times we see people leaving the salon because they feel embarrassed, because they feel like there's no give um, mm-hmm. with the salon, not discounting, but creating a a, a time, uh, not a timeline. What is that word I'm looking for? But like a plan, a plan of action yeah. to be able to get the client what they need but at a rate that they can afford, even if that is spreading it out, they'll end up leaving. And then that, then you lose even more if you're not mm-hmm. working with them. Absolutely. Great advice. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. It's well, it's, it's a tough battle out there. And that's why I was so excited to have this conversation because the economy is one thing. Prices being raised on all the products 
and and our services. Like it, it kind of is this full circle thing and you have to make things work so that you can keep the doors open. You, you as product, like brands, you can't just absorb everything all the time or else right. literally won't be open. And then everybody's <laughs> going to be upset when their favorite products are no longer mm-hmm. because they always got a discount. So it's really just kind of thinking outside of the box and not going down this whole consumer um, thought process that we always have been taught in this industry. Think a little bit differently, work with some brands that also are trying to do great and that would last your clients longer. I mean, both of your brands, like I'm proud to be able to say like, hey, these will last you and they're not going to harm you at the same time. So buy less, spend a little bit more up front. And if you literally, I had, I did the calculations one time with a client right there at the chair because I was like, okay, so this product's costing you $5, but you have to re-up every single month. We ended up seeing that it actually saved them, I think like $3, but still it <laughs> saved them $3 to get a better product. Mm-hmm. They just paid up front instead of paying little by little. Yeah, it's really smart. It's you got to work with the clients. <laughs> so, so anything else before we wrap this one up? No, as a client of a hair salon myself, I appreciate when a stylist does stuff to to make the experience feel richer. You know, I, I think I think something as simple as adding that scalp massage in, which is like free, makes the whole experience so much nicer and 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 it makes it feel special and worth it. And even though you're getting your hair cut, like colored the same way for me, I get it colored now the same way every time. Um, it, every time it just, it feels special. And, um, and even if the price raises a little bit, it's, it's still something that's totally worth it for me. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's not that in and out, like I literally left the salon and started my own thing because I could not handle this whole in and out, get the next person in and like quickly out. And you don't have time to create those relationships. We have too much of a a relationship and a responsibility as stylists and salon owners that if we don't create those relationships, you know, we're doing such a disservice to them. And quite honestly, me, like I, that's what I love about my job is serving on a different level. If I'm just chopping your hair and hurrying you out the door. I first I'm exhausted by the end of the day and I hate my job. Like I had gotten to the point where I hated what I did because it just didn't fulfill me anymore. Right. And to each its own, if that's the stylist you like to be, I'm not judging. It's just, you have to look at again, what is the experience you're creating? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, well, Thank you both for being on the episode today. And I loved this conversation. I can't wait for the series. We're going to have plenty of conversations around this. And if you're listening, let us know what you thought. Like, did we not answer a question? Is there something that you, you know, want to know about pricing and how to raise them or how to, you know, just survive in this type of economy? Let us know and we will have a discussion around it. Thank you and see you on the next one. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to the Salon Owner's Holistic Blueprint. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to follow and subscribe. 
Until next time, stay inspired, stay passionate, and keep thriving in the world of holistic beauty.